Today on Let's Talk Love, I sat down with Vanessa and Xander Mirren to talk about their book, Sex Talks, where they share five conversations that will transform your love life. Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist with 20 years of experience in the sex therapy field. Xander refers to himself as a regular dude who's been married to a sex therapist for over a decade. They say, the loss of spark isn't actually about the loss of the spark. It's about the lack of communication. Vanessa and Xander give us real and practical ways to learn more about ourselves and our partners and dialogue to talk about it openly, clearly, and lovingly. I highly recommend their book and following their work for ways to improve your sex life. As I say at the end of the podcast, life is too short not to have great sex. Enjoy. Welcome to Let's Talk Love, the podcast that brings you real talk, fresh ideas, and expert insights every week. Our guests are the most trusted voices in love and relationships, and they're here for you with tools, information, and friendly advice to help you expand the ways you love, relate, and communicate. We tackle the big questions, not shying away from the complex, the messy, the awkward, and the joyful parts of relationships. I'm your host, Robin Ducharme. Now, let's talk love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Love. Today, we are going to be talking about, I think, hopefully, um, some of our favorite subjects, our favorite subject is sex, which is like, I'm so excited about this. And we have very special guests, husband and wife, Vanessa and Xander Marin. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. We're really excited to be here. We, I've been preparing for our podcast and loving your book. I, and I've been, Sex Talks. It is such a fantastic book. And I can't wait to dive into um, the content and ask questions and just go through. First of all, I would just love to know. Um, so your, your book is Five Conversations That Will Transform Your Love Life. And I've read a lot of sex books. I've read, every week I read a new relationship book. And I have to say, this is one that I'm going to come back to time and time again. And I hope all of our audience reads your book and listens to your book. I love listening to it and reading it mm -hmm. because you both have, you know, your stories are really funny and how you interact. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and you're, you're like that on your podcast. Your podcast is called Pillow Talks, and it, which is excellent. Um, but I just love listening and also reading it. So I, but it's going to become like one of my, my sex Bibles because there's a lot that I just can, you can go back to a lot of conversation tips, a lot of ways that you can engage with your partner about talking about sex. So kudos to you on writing an excellent book. Thank you Thank so you. much. It, it never gets old seeing it in somebody's hand. And yeah, it's such an honor to hear that it's one of your favorites, especially knowing that you read so many. <laughs> Definitely. So why don't we just start on um, why you wrote this book? Like what inspired you to put it in, put everything you're doing through your audience into a book? Honestly, the very first idea to write the book happened many years ago at the beginning of our relationship. You know, we went through something that I think so many couples can relate to. You know, when we met each other, it was hot and heavy. The chemistry was great. Everything felt so natural and effortless and easy. And I think we both really took that as a sign that, hey, I found my person. We're compatible. Yeah. The chemistry is great. Like, this is it. And then we got 
a year or two into the relationship and life started catching up to us. We weren't having sex as often. The sex that we were having was pretty predictable and mm -hmm. routine. And both of us started wondering, like, what happened? What happened to all this amazing chemistry that we used to have? And we really struggled at the time to figure out how to talk about what was going on. Like it was obvious to both of us what was going on, but we really struggled to talk about it. We made a lot of mistakes along the way. We made a lot of mistakes <laughs> along the way. And so it wasn't until years later that we had you know, built up this business, we've created all of these courses and really focused on helping couples keep the spark alive in their long-term relationships. And I knew that I wanted to write a book and I kept going back to those early experiences of our relationship and our own struggles. And once we created this business together, you know, Xander and I, we were talking about sex every single day mm -hmm. together. Like it was our, for our business. Yes. <laughs> but of course, we were talking about it a lot, you know, in our own relationship. And I really started realizing like the more that we talk about sex, the better our sex life is getting. Yep. <laughs> so it was kind of this being able to experience both sides of it, like the pains of not communicating and the joys of having so much communication that we realized, like, I think this is the thing we want to write about. And yeah, and we really just wanted to write the book that we wish someone had given us. Right back, you know, when we were a couple years into our relationship, when we were really struggling. So that was kind of like, we were kind of picturing ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, as we were writing it, like, this is for that couple. And, you know, I think most couples, like probably 99% of couples go through that at some point in time. Definitely. I think what you said is going to resonate. You said a lot, but I think what you said around <laughs> when we, when we first meet somebody, um, there's this, there's this idea that yes, of course you're like hot and heavy and the chemistry is so great. And you're, you're having sex like two, three times a day, maybe possibly. And for, and you don't even think about it. It's effortless. You just want each other. And it's just this like animalistic, like this, well, you, it is so biological. That's the other thing we got kind of have to remember about this too. In the beginning, it's bringing two people together and it's like, um, I don't know, we can get into the science of it, but um, it's natural. It's like something you're not really thinking about. And then as time goes on, your, that infatuation stage turns into, um, you're committing to each other and like, and all of everything kind of changes chemically, hormonally, and you settle into like real life, your real relationship. You start seeing things about your partner and the sex does start to wane. You're no longer like these, ah, I need to be with you like 24 seven. <laughs> Um, but I think that's just an understanding that just even that by itself for couples to remember, like that's totally natural. So you, you actually talk a lot, talk about that in the book. I think that's important for the understanding piece to know, to understand that this is such a common and it's probably going to happen in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, we really wanted to share our own story and, and kind of take the lead and be vulnerable yeah. and share that because I think we don't talk about sex very openly. And so, so many of us are left feeling like something is wrong with our relationship. And, you know, it's one thing when you're just starting to date somebody and like having brunch with girlfriends and talking about like, oh, you know, the chemistry was so amazing. It was so great. But you get into the relationship and it becomes so much harder, like even with your closest friends to talk about like, yeah, I don't remember the last time my partner is initiated or that secret move that he thinks he has. I actually secretly hate it and I've hated it the whole time. Like it just feels so much more complicated. So we wanted to share our story and really take away 
the shame from it and help people realize like it is more normal for the chemistry in your relationship to wane than it is to just feel that passion like for the entire time you're in your relationship. Yeah. And what you what you say is the loss of spark isn't actually about the loss of spark. It's about mm-hmm. the lack of communication. So yeah. that's what this that's what your book is really bringing home is that you really need to talk about sex and it's such an important important you talk about everything else in your relationship as you say right and you talk about your jobs you talk about um what restaurant what you can eat for dinner whatever those you're talking about everything else in your relationship but so many of us in our partnerships are missing the, the key piece is talking about sex and talking about sex is the other thing what you reminded me of when i was reading this talking about sex is such an intimate act it brings intimacy into your relationship. As you said, you guys talk about it every day because you work together and you're, this is your job. Um, but the more you do talk about it, it brings more intimacy into your relationship. So getting beyond and giving, giving people the tools to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea to talk about sex, that's nothing new. Like we've all heard that advice a million times. But the problem is that we don't know how to talk right. about it. So when you read that article online and at the end of the article it says talk about it with your partner. It, Just it, talk it, about it. Ends it. There, yeah, right. Yeah, you know? right. So we're left wondering like, okay, I know I'm supposed to, but how do I talk about it? What do I say? When do I say it? How do I phrase it? What if I'm worried my partner's going to get upset or their feelings are going to be hurt? So we wanted to take this concept and really get into the nitty-gritty specifics. That's what we love to do. We hate generic advice. So we wanted to come up with these five conversations that we think every couple can benefit from having and walk you through exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it, so that you can have these incredible conversations that, like you're saying, like bring so much intimacy into your relationship. Like we didn't want to write this clinical book of, okay, now you have to talk about this and now you have to talk about that. You know, like this is sex we're talking about. It should be fun. It should be passionate and playful right. and pleasurable and, and all those things. So we want the conversations of about it to feel fun too. Yeah. So before we get into the conversations, the first part of the book is really, you're really looking at trying to understand yourself and your partner's, what you call sex manual, right? Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about what, because there's two different types of sex drives. That's the other thing that, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm learning more about this and we're educating our community on it, but I just think mm-hmm. we just, we need more, we need to understand more how our bodies actually operate because it's not just, you know, in the beginning, like I, th- like I think what we're talking about is like, you know, when we've got hot and heavy, you're all chemistry. It's like, there's a lot of spontaneous sex going on. It's like, you just want it all the time. Right. But mm-hmm. when you're settled in and it's like time has passed actually your our own body's sex drives are, can be quite different like between partners mm-hmm. so can we can you go through that with us yeah so like you were saying the first section of the book is all about understanding yourself better and i think that's really important for people yeah. especially for us women so many of us feel like we don't really know who we are sexually it's like well what do I like and what do I want? You know, your partner mm-hmm. asks you like, what do you want in the moment? And you just go blank. Like, I don't know. What are mm-hmm. the options? So we really wanted to help people explore and understand more about their own sexuality before we go into these conversations with our partners. So one of the one of the things that we talk about is what you're what you just brought up, the two sex drive types. So most of us don't know that these two types exist. And most people feel like desire is just supposed to be spontaneous. That's how you see it on 
on TV. That's how you see it in the movies. Uh-huh. That's often how we experience it at the beginning of relationships. Like That's how we always talk about it with yeah. our friends. Like, oh, I just wanted it so bad. Yeah, we like did I'm, that and then it was like we were just rolling around in bed. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. But there is a different sex drive type, which is called responsive. So these two types boil down to where we feel desire first. So we can feel desire mentally, like the idea of sex sounds good, and we can feel desire and arousal physically, like our bodies start to get excited and ready to have sex. So spontaneous sex drive is when mentally the desire comes up mentally first and then the physical arousal follows. So that's when you get that idea out of nowhere that, hey, sex sounds fun. I want to go find my partner right now. (laughs) Responsive desire is the exact opposite. You feel it in your body first and then your head catches up and thinks like, oh, sex sounds like a good idea. So the classic way to know that you're responsive, and by the way, the majority of women are responsive sex drive types, but the classic way of knowing is if you've ever found yourself in the middle of sex or at the end of sex even, thinking to yourself, huh, this is really fun. Why don't I want this more often? Mm -hmm. So the really important thing to understand is that if you have responsive desire, it doesn't mean that you're low desire or no desire. It's just that your body has to be turned on first. So if you approach a mentally, uh, a responsive sex drive type, uh, you know, just out of the blue, like, hey, are you interested in sex? Mm -hmm. Do you want to have sex right now? They're almost always going to say no because they haven't had any physical stimulation yet. So it's just a really crucial misunderstanding that so many women in particular have where we're beating ourselves up for thinking, oh, my God, my sex drive is so low, when we're just actually, in reality, not understanding mm-hmm. that we need to give our body attention first. And then the second big misunderstanding that that so many of us have is, you know, we hear that information and we go, oh, huh, so like maybe, maybe I do have a responsive type or maybe my partner is a responsive type. But if I rewind it back to the beginning of our relationship – didn't it seem like we were having all of this spontaneous sex? And we like to kind of challenge that and say, was it really that spontaneous at the beginning? Because the reality is most people in the beginning of a relationship, when they start dating, as soon as you start having sex, like every time you're planning a date, you are essentially planning planting the seed that you are going to have sex. And so you are thinking about having sex. Like, possibly many days in advance of that date, you know, as you're coming into that date, you're getting excited, you know, you're getting all pumped up, getting dressed, you know, putting on, you know, doing, you know, trying to look your best or whatever it is. And like, you know, so even if you are a responsive type, like you are, you are getting yourself ready over the course of many hours to have sex. And, and, but then we remember that as, oh, it was just so spontaneous. But the reality is, is that we put a lot of effort in at the beginning of a relationship. And then, you know, and then it's, you know, later on, maybe after we are more committed, we're living together that, you know, if someone is spontaneous, it is more likely that you are just going to get that random question, like, hey, want to do it in the middle of the day? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, like, I don't want to do it, because I'm not (laughs) I'm not prepared. I haven't put any effort into that yet. Yeah. There's just so many lessons that I learned from reading this because that just brings up so many questions for me around, which is so, there's just all these things that people can relate to in, well, we'll get into it, but I want to talk about the five conversations because I think that's important for us to go through. So um, conversation one is, is the importance of acknowledgement that really sex is a thing and we have it, right? Like, it's just like, all right, Mm -hmm. like this is... So can we let's go through let's let's go through that one to start out with why yeah. why is acknowledgement 
the first question that you want to address? Conversation. So the mistake that most people make when they talk about sex is they wait until they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So they wait until something is really wrong or bad. And then they're so anxious to bring it up to their partner that then their partner feels the anxiety and it just turns into this big, awkward, uncomfortable conversation or maybe even a fight. So what we wanted to do is help people avoid that conversation because that, of course, only reinforces like, oh, I do not want to talk about sex. It goes badly whenever we do. So we want to take a completely different approach. And we want people to start with getting comfortable talking about sex in a positive or even a neutral way. So we don't want to go in with the complaints or the criticisms or even the requests. We just want to get comfortable talking about it because the reality is so many couples, even couples who have been together years or decades, like haven't had a genuinely open, useful, and productive conversation about sex, which is wild. <laughs> yeah. Or that you, maybe you have a lot of roundabout conversations, right? Like, you know, sort of like, hey, want to do it, but not much else more than that. That's I, just an initiation. Yeah. That's not a conversation yeah. even. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we wanted to start with just getting comfortable with sex as a topic of conversation. So that's what this acknowledgement chapter is all about. So here's a great like little exercise that people can do after listening to this episode is take a moment to think about one of your favorite sexual memories with your partner and then share that memory with them today. So you can share it face-to-face. -face. If you're really nervous, you can even text it. But all you're doing is sharing the memory. Like, you know, oh, you know what popped into my head th today? Like, I was just thinking about that anniversary trip that we took, that hotel that we stayed at in Mexico, and we stayed in bed all day that one day. Like, oh, just popped into my head randomly. It was just a fun memory, so I wanted to share it with you. So even though that sounds you know, like a pretty simple, like, is that even a conversation? Like you're actually doing a lot of things with that. You're starting to create this foundation in your relationship that sex can be a safe and fun topic to talk about. So you're not giving, you know, any complaints to your partner. You're not making any requests of them. You're not telling them anything you're doing, they're doing wrong. You're just giving them this experience of, hey, we can talk about sex and it can be fun and sexy and flirtatious. And there doesn't have to be any sort of ulterior motive behind it either. Right. So you're, and you know, you share a story in your book about, um, you know, your anniversary trip to South Africa and how you're, you know, you're having sex with the elephants, watering hole and all this. And actually it was just like, so really, it's like you said, you're bringing in intimacy on this, this very special experience you both shared. And I like the idea about having like, you know, you've got inside jokes, you've got um, this history together and, and just sharing that, that experience and then, of course, it will bring up more conversation, hopefully, around like, what do you think? Like, let's let's create more of these experiences. It opens the door. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, all you're trying to do in that first conversation is just getting comfortable talking about it. And so we walk you through other things, too. Like, if you're somebody who just hasn't even said a lot of these words out loud, there are some exercises for you in there and just other ways to talk about it, but without any sort of goal. You're not trying to do anything other than just get comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Okay. So what what would be the next conversation that's really important? 
Conversation two is connection. What do we need to feel close to each other? So we want to talk about emotional intimacy, which I think may surprise some people. Mm. They may think like, oh, this is a sex book. When are we talking about the kinky fantasies? (laughs) But emotional intimacy is so important in a relationship. Like too often we think of sex as something that just happens at the end of the night with the, in the bedroom with the door locked and the lights turned off and we compartmentalize it. But that's just like not a good approach to it because how the two of you relate to each other throughout the day is going to affect how you show up in the bedroom at the end of the night. Yeah, we hear from so many couples who are like, like we haven't been having sex. It's been months and months. Like what's going on? And the first question is like, what's going on otherwise with the two of you? Like, yes. how's your how's your general connection? And it's like, oh, well, we're super busy, you know, with work and the kids. We never see each other. When we see each other, we're only arguing, but we're not having sex. And like, if we if we were having sex, maybe would, those other things wouldn't be happening. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe it's all those other things that are impacting the sex. Like, of course, you're not having great sex because you're not having much of a connection right now. I, you talk about this in, in some of your podcasts as well, um, around there's different types of, there's different ways that we want to connect, right? It's like one person mm-hmm. wants to have, needs to have sex in order to connect. Mm-hmm. And the other person feels connection through sex. So through, sorry, you need an emotional connection in order to have yeah. sex. And the other person is like, well, in order for me to feel connected to you, I have to have sex. Does that did I say that in the right way? I think that is yeah, pretty common yeah. with the, couples. The, the, interplay, the interplay between physical and emotional intimacy. Like usually in a relationship, you're going to each want something different first. Like, oh, I want to feel close to you first. Well, I want to have sex with you first because that's how I feel close to you. And so it can feel like a, a real source of tension for a lot of couples. Like, well, how are we supposed to, you know, oh, I want my thing to come first. Well, I want my thing to come first. Yes. And I think that that is just, and this is how maybe a lot of couples end up in like a standstill where, okay, mm-hmm. they're having this like major dry spell. There's a different, you know, there's a lot of things that could bring on a dry spell. Um, but this was, you you share this. Uh, okay. I just want to put out there that I just love the fact that in your, in all your work, you're always sharing, you, this is why you work so well together. It's like you're sharing your clinical experience, Vanessa, and, you know, being a psychologist and sex, sex therapist and Xander, you're, you're married. You're, you're, you're this, I'm this regular guy that just will share my experiences. And now of course you're becoming an expert yourself, just working in this field. But I, I just love the juxtaposition and also the fact that you share your real stories and you do share about, um, how you went through a dry spell, like we all do in our partnerships, but you were, Vanessa, you were like, I just wanted him to like, be like, come on, let's do like initiate. And you're like, and then you're getting over time getting really Mm -hmm. kind of pissed off. Right. Like, okay. And then you're like, you know, you're kind of just kind of angry. And I I could, I I've been in this place, right. A lot of us have. And then Xander, Mm -hmm. you're feeling the same way. You're like, well, I don't really want to have sex with some angry person <laughs> and she, and, and, I'm, and I want her to initiate too. So it's just this, like, you're at this place, but what happened in the end, right? When you tell the story is that you talked about it, which is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then you came to understand each other that this is how I'm feeling. This is why I'm not initiating. And then can you just talk about that personal example yeah. and how you actually did come yeah, together? So when- 
In this example, we are actually the opposite of what the typical gender role that we see is. So typically, we see women are the ones who want to feel emotionally connected before having sex, and men feel emotional connection by having sex. But we're the opposite. So I'm somebody who, you know, one of the ways that I feel close to Xander is when we are having sex, and he wants to feel close mm -hmm. to me before having sex. So what one of the big misunderstandings that we had, <laughs> a bunch of them. So first of all, like, we both want both things. Yes. So we were getting stuck in this standstill, like, well, I want my thing first. Yes. And forgetting that, like, we both want emotional yeah. intimacy and we want physical intimacy. And we didn't realize that we were each, like, trying to get both of those things in different ways. Right. So it took us having this conversation and, and Xander laying it out that way and saying, like, you know, I, like, I, it's hard for me when we've had a period of disconnection, like, jumping to the sex doesn't feel good for me. Like, I feel like I'm having sex, a disconnected sex, and it doesn't feel, right. like, intimate. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, we're approaching this in such different ways. Because for me, I'm like, we're feeling disconnected, so I yeah. want to jump into the sex so we can, like, jumpstart feeling reconnected with each other again. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> sorry. And, and yeah, what we ultimately, you know, came to realize was that it is – it's ultimately so much it's it's most important to make sure that there's a baseline level right. of emotional connection there because at the end of the day you want that sex to feel safe to to both partners right. and so I think that, you know, a lot of people get in their heads about, okay, how can we compromise about that? Or how can we give each partner a little bit of one or the other? But we actually talk a lot in the in the um connection conversation about how to maintain a baseline level of connection and really understand each other around connection so that, you know, you're not getting into the situation of feeling like only one person gets to win. Yeah, that, that was a realization that I had to come to as a therapist. And it was very difficult for me. I share this in the book. Like, I wanted, like, I want my thing to come first. I wanted to come up with some reason yes. of like, no, I think sex really is the cure for creating more emotional intimacy for everybody. But in working with so many clients and, you know, talking to our community and a lot of conversations that we had in our own relationship, I realized like, yeah, I do think it actually is important for the emotional intimacy to come first, especially if a couple has been going through a difficult time because it just doesn't feel safe to the person who's, you know, wanting that emotional intimacy to have to jump into physical. So we encourage couples to create, like Xander was saying, like, this have a closer connection with each other. And in that, in this chapter, we talk so much about like very practical, simple, everyday ways yep. you can maintain that connection. So it doesn't feel like you're always getting into these like deficits and then having to work back up into feeling connected again. Right. And I, I love how your book has, has, like you said, a lot of tangible, practical conversations, questions, ways that you can come together. So you've got a list of um, questions that you, like you want to, you said something about um, learning your partner's user manual and how you want, you want to learn how you want to receive love and how your partner mm -hmm. receives love. So, and it's, yeah. it's more, it is love languages, but it's more specific. So you've got mm -hmm. really, like, I love the questions you're saying. Like, one question would be, what are three to five specific things that can help you feel connected to me? Like what are three to five favorite ways you like to receive love? And I can think of, 
ways. For instance, like with, um, with my husband, it was like, I wanted to laugh and just have more fun. That's how I feel connected to you. We need to do more of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And and he might be surprised to learn that, but it's like, that's the top of my, of my, that's how I really, really feel the most connected to you. And for him, it might be, well, I just want to sit and just talk and hold hands. Okay. Right. But you, unless you talk about these things, you don't, and then do them, you don't know. Right. Yeah. And it's just so important to get specific. I think one of the big, big problems that we have in relationships is we, we throw out these general things like, well, I just want to feel closer to you, or I just want you to care more. And it's like, but what does that mean? You know, like for me, like what makes me feel close to Xander is so different from what makes him feel close to me, which is going to be so different from what makes you feel close to your husband. So we have to like get down into the specifics for ourselves to like understand ourselves better and to share that with our partner too. Yeah. When we talk about it, you know, in a vague sort of way like that, or we don't talk about it at all, what ends up happening is, you know, we end up just, we see the world through our own eyes. And so we we tend to assume, oh, okay, well, this is the way that I like to receive love. This is the way that I like to feel cared for, or this is, you know, this is the way I like to feel connected. And so I'm going to do those things for my partner. And, you know, like you said, almost every, in every partnership, almost everyone has a different order of, you know, what the top thing is. And so for me, I'm a, I'm a big physical touch person. I love when Vanessa comes and gives me a hug out of nowhere. And so, you know, I used to do that all the time to her. And it was like, huh, it doesn't seem like this lands very well. Like <laughs> it's not reciprocated. Not in- but yeah. <laughs> is she is she not that into me? Like what what's the deal? Right. And then, you know, it took many, many years till I realized that Vanessa's number one thing is compliments. She loves receiving compliments. And, you know, I I learned what some very specific compliments are that really light her up. And if I throw one of those in, you know, at a random time in the middle of the day, like she just gets this big goofy grin on her face, you know, like the same way I feel when she gives me a hug out of nowhere. So now that we understand that, we know in any given moment, like what the best way is to supercharge that connection, even if we're feeling a bit disconnected. Oh, it's just so, it's powerful stuff. Like it's, these are not complicated things, but it's important for you to understand. It's just that that just goes back to understanding your partner and yourself so that you can um, just, it's, it just create such a stronger bond. So, and I really like the exercise, which I, I, this was a new one for me, the 30 and 60. I really, I've heard the long kiss, but the 30 second, so this, so can you talk about the 30, 60? (laughs) Yeah, these are two research-backed ways to get connected to your partner quickly. Mm. So there has actually been research showing that a 30-second hug and a six-second kiss. Oh, six. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, 36. Yeah, Yeah. really deep (laughs) and lasting feelings of connection, closeness, and intimacy. They just skyrocket up our oxytocin levels. And I love both of these because, like, who doesn't have 36 (laughs) seconds in their day? I don't care how busy you are. You can find 36 seconds. Yeah. to create this connection with your partner. And you give you give examples. Um, Xander, you talk about how um, Vanessa did this. It was just like, this go back to the acknowledgement. It's like acknowledgement of each other. So it's like mm-hmm. when, 
when you're seeing each other for the first time in the morning, getting, you know, getting up at different times, it's like looking at your partner in the eyes and being like, good morning. How are you? How was your sleep? It's just, these are simple things, but we can, we can get lost in our own, in our, in our book or our phone or just whatever we're doing. Um, and oh, yeah. you know, it's just, these are, these are not, um, these are, these are very important things. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. Simple things, but they're so powerful. And that's, yeah. those are really our favorite techniques to find yeah. because, you know, so often people think like, oh, well, we just, we have to go away on a vacation together. Or we have to go to like a couple's retreat or something like that. And like, that's great if you can, but yeah. Yeah. Really, that's like, like a cherry on top <laughs> type of thing. Like what we're really looking for, like, what are the things that you can do on late on a Tuesday night when you've had a crappy day and you just want to feel connected <laughs> quickly? Yeah. Like we want the maximum bang for your buck. You know, you you talk about rituals and how rituals are very important in a partnership, and but you're, you're you do these things daily, which is that's where I think we want to get to is like every day we do these things to keep ourselves connected. This is preventive medicine, and oh, yes. so this is you know you talk about every night you cuddle in bed for five minutes or however long it is, right? And you take your dogs for a walk every day together. So this is your connection time that you make time for each other. This is. Anyways, yeah. I just I just love the examples you give, so it's it's good. Yeah. So so the yeah, third, I think with a lot of oh sorry, I was just gonna say I think with a lot of those really simple things, it's it's easy for those pieces of advice to go in one ear and out the other. It's like oh yeah, well like obviously I should know what my partner you know how my partner likes to feel connected to me, but it's actually it is creating that habit or creating that ritual with that you know seemingly. Right simple piece of advice that is when it starts to get really powerful because we'll hear me like, oh, that's so simple. And you do it once. You're like, oh, cool. That that was great. And then you forget about it. And it's like a month later and you're like, oh, shoot, I was I was supposed to try to make you laugh because you love that. So, you know, it's it's actually you need, you need to rewire your brain to like, it's it's not that it's simple. It's like, oh, it's simple and I have to start doing this on a daily basis or a weekly basis and, and maybe even set some reminders for yourself until you get into that habit and that habit becomes a ritual. And then then that becomes a really meaningful thing. And you did that. You Xander, you put a reminder on your phone to give Vanessa compliments. Because you're like, that really worked. Like, I think, I think your compliment to her was like, you, you kicked ass or you, way to go. Like that, you rocked it. Or I can't remember yep. what exact, but it's something along those lines. And she really responded in such a beautiful way. And you're like, oh, wow, I got to do more of that, right? So, so you put it in your phone and set reminders. And then after, yeah. so then and we have to, as human beings, we have to like, new habits take a while to form. So uh, you said after a while, okay, I never, I no longer need the reminders. It was set into my like it ha it turned into a habit and it's a beautiful habit. Yep. So perfect. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So conversation three is what do we each need to get turned on? This is about desire. So this is mm -hmm. learning more about what, what actual, so can you go into the meat of that conversation? Yeah. So this is talking about what do you each need to feel excited about intimacy? So we talk about, you know, once you in part one discovered what your sex drive type is, sharing that with your partner in this conversation. We also talk about a model that we developed um, called the initiation styles, helping you yes. and your partner each understand like what are the specific ways that you like sex to be initiated? How do you like to be invited to be intimate with your partner? So this is all about like getting excited to connect with each other and experience that intimacy. And this was, this is, there's so many, because like you talked about before, like off is a very often 
people will just be like, you want to do it? Like, let's have sex, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's like one way to initiate, but I think that's probably the most common way to initiate in a, in a long-term mm-hmm. partnership, just like saying, and sometimes just like, like, what, do what? That You actually made a good point about that in the book. Like you go into that in depth about like, what exactly do you want to do? Like, is it just a quickie or do you, um, I'm exhausted after work and I don't really want to get into a really long, drawn out romantic mm-hmm. sex session right now. But if you're asking me for a nice like, cuddle and a quickie, maybe I'll say yes. But so it's being more specific. That was a good. Yeah. Initiation is is such, like it's an area that so many couples get into trouble with because we feel like we're not supposed to have to directly initiate. Like whenever you see sex on the movies and, and TV, like it just happens. Nobody's actually initiating it, right? So we don't know how to initiate. We feel really vulnerable about initiating. We often don't love the way our partner initiates, but we don't know how to tell them what to do differently. And yeah, like you were saying, like we also, we don't initiate with any sort of specificity. So if you're exhausted one night and your partner's initiating, like it's going to be a big difference for you if they're saying, hey, I want to spend the whole evening together, you know, having romantic drawn out sex versus like, hey, would you be open to a quickie? So it's learning how to get the confidence and the skill to initiate and how to do it in the right way. Because I I really believe that so many couples are missing the opportunities for connection simply because they don't have initiation skills. Yes. There was a lot about this topic in your book. I loved it. So what happens, there's there's also a large section about learning how to say no in a a very Mm -hmm. um, compassionate way. So it's not just yeah. like, not into it, babe. Like, no. So, because if you hear that over and over again, you're going to stop initiating. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. Yeah. This is another skill that we've never had the chance to develop. And, you know, most uh-huh. of us, it feels so uncomfortable when your partner initiates and you're not in the mood that a lot of us end up being pretty short in our responses. Uh, so we might even like, kind of tease our partner of like, oh, you're trying to have sex right now? Like after the day we've had, you're crazy. Um, And so it just can be, you know, turn into such a vulnerable experience for your partner. Like it always feels vulnerable to hear a no. It, it, you know, actually the longer you've been with your partner, often the more vulnerable it feels. And so we need to learn how to handle these really well because we want to encourage our partner to keep initiating. And we ourselves like need to keep initiating. So it's such a crucial skill for Mm. couples to learn how to say no to each other. And we really think we can teach you how to do it in a way that actually creates more intimacy Mm -hmm. rather than feels like it drives you apart. So one of the things that um, you say, which is so good, is I'm turning down sex for this reason. Like, let's say you give Mm -hmm. the reason. I'm not turning down you. Mm -hmm. That is... when I I, so personally, yeah. (laughs) I you know, most people, if they hear a no they're going to go to, it's all about me. Yes. And especially us as women, we can go to these places of like, I'm not sexy enough. I'm not pretty enough. Like my partner doesn't like my body. They've noticed the weight that I've gained or my mom bod, all that kind of stuff can come up for us. But the reality is that the vast majority of the time, people turn down sex because of the context that's going on, the the situation. And so if we can learn to share what's going on with us, with our partner, that's going to feel so much gentler and easier. Now, the key is 
to share how whatever it is that's going on for you impacts the way that you might show up for intimacy. So I'll walk you through an example here. Like if Xander initiates sex with me and I say, no, I have a headache. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Headache, headache again? All right. Yeah, yeah, it kind of feels like the classic, you know, excuse for, for sex. But if I was to say to him, like, I, you know, I really appreciate you initiating. I have such a bad headache right now, though, and I know that it's not going to allow me to show up in the moment with you and be present and connected and have fun the way that we usually do. And that's so important to me. Like, then he's really getting the message that sex is important to me, our intimacy is important to me, the way that I show up with him is important to me. So it feels so much better than just a straight up no, or even then a like, "Mm, I have a headache. It's like it really drives home the point. Yeah, because I think, you know, when you hear from people that are, you know, kind of in a tricky spot with initiation, where maybe one partner has been hearing a lot of no's, what that partner will often say is, it feels like sex isn't important to my partner. It feels Mm -hmm. like I'm not important to my partner. But, you know, if you if you hear what Vanessa just said, like she is literally saying in that sex is really important to me, you are really important to me, and I'm not able to, you know, to show up in a way that, you know, will give you that you know, show you that importance. So, you know, so, so let's do it a different time. And I think the other kind of bonus points that you can, you can add on top of that, if you're up for it, you know, obviously, if you have a migraine or something, you just need to lie on the couch, just lie on the couch. But if you're open to it, suggesting another form of physical or emotional intimacy can be really valuable. Like, hey, you know, like, you know, I have a really bad headache, you know, I can't show up the way I would like to. But I am totally open to cuddle on the couch and watch this TV show with you because so often we are just looking for emotional intimacy, whether it's through sex or through something else. So instead of it just being like a no and we go to separate ends of the room and we don't talk to each other, it's like, hey, let's do something together, whether it's sitting on the couch, going for a walk, you know, maybe, you know, a different sexual activity, whatever it is that you're open to. I think that way, whoever initiated, you know, yeah, there is that vulnerability. You are hearing a no, but you're also getting something else out of it. Right. I I can think of, um, first of all, I wanted to talk about Oh, well, part of this question. So I can think of an example in my own life of like, as I think it hurts no matter, like it stings when you hear no, when you're initiating, no matter, like you said, where you are in your relationship. So I could think of a time when um, we, my husband and I were on a trip and I was like, would you like to make love? He was like, really, I'm so like, I, I really don't want to do it right now, but let's go for dinner. Let's go for our walk. And then when we come back, I'd love to. So it's like, okay, like there was this, in the future, we will get to that point. And, and it was it was great that night, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. But that's the other part I want to ask you about is if you are saying no, and whatever reason that is, that you're, you have every right to say no, but are you mm-hmm. also adding in um, somehow like tomorrow or the next day, like I would love to, or it's like you are, is that you're putting the onus on the, on the person that said no to come back to the other person later on, right? in some sort of expectation. Yeah. That is one way that you can do it. Like of course 
all approaches, you know, different things are going to work for different couples. But one way to approach it can be really nice is, yeah, if you're saying no to sex, then you are also committing to, I'm going to initiate with you next the time. next time. So that you're, yeah. you're creating more of a balance in your relationship, making sure you're both doing initiating because it is a vulnerable thing to do. Um, you can also just build more time into it. So people often think right. of initiation as something that has to happen in that moment. But for a lot of people, it, it's actually more exciting to draw initiation out. So your partner might actually like for you, you know, maybe in the morning, like, hey, do you want to be intimate tonight? Or do you want to be intimate tomorrow? It like gives you that time to build up some anticipation and to get mm -hmm. yourself ready and excited for it. So it doesn't have to be a like, right now or nothing <laughs> type of thing. Right, right. So conversation four is about pleasure. And this is about what do we each need to feel good? So, and yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, this is a, such an important conversation. Um, you know, of course, like a huge part of why we have sex is to feel good. Yes. And so many of us, you know, especially in long-term relationships, like we get into a little bit of trouble in this area and we have been there ourselves, so we get it. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's just so easy for us to slip into these routines where we're having the same old sex mm -hmm. over and over again and it's not feeling particularly pleasurable or enjoyable or exciting anymore. So the last two conversations actually are, are really about bringing more excitement into sex. And particularly in conversation four, we also wanted to talk about in male-female relationships, the orgasm gap, the, the fact yes. that we women are having far fewer orgasms and experiencing far fewer, like far less pleasure than our male partners are. So we talk a lot about how female pleasure really works, how we need to like balance the scales so both partners can enjoy the experience. And this conversation also loops back to the desire conversation really nicely because of something that we call the enjoyment desire connection, which is that if you are not enjoying the sex that you are having, you are not going to crave it. It no. wouldn't make any sense to. No. <laughs> but so many women feel, and women in particular, feel like, you know, oh, I have no sex drive. What's wrong with me? I'm broken. They're just not enjoying and it. And one of the first questions we ask them is, okay, well, tell us about the sex that you're <laughs> having. Mm, well, it's, it's boring. It's predictable. It's all about his pleasure. I don't really get anything from it. So it's like, well, why would you crave that then? It makes no sense to crave an unenjoyable experience. So the good news here is that you can kind of tackle two things at the same time. Like if you work on having more pleasurable sex, you're going to have more pleasure and more orgasms, and you're also going to increase your sex drive. This is important stuff. When I was like this, and oh, there's, yeah. there's a whole, the, the whole back part of the book is all about your, about pleasure and learning how to, in, like you say, the two most common reasons for low sex drive are lack of communication, which is very, very important and lack of enjoyment. So if yeah. you're like, you, you want to be enjoying what you're doing in the bedroom, otherwise you're not going to want it. It's so yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So like, I I I dog eared like a whole bunch of pages because this is about <laughs> like you've got a section about where I like to be touched, and this is for you to understand yourself and talk to your partner about like how I like to be touched, where I like to be kissed, how I like to be kissed, and I think this is like your touch map, right? Yeah. Um, and with the energy that turns me on, 
I was like, oh, that's an interesting. And there's all of these choices mm-hmm. that you can circle and talk to your partner about. Cause I'm like, that's so you, and that's the other thing where you might have differences with your partner. Like I want this energy and he might want that energy. So it's good to know and good to talk about. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. We, we love giving <laughs> options. Like we don't want to just ask these open-ended broad questions because so many of us are like, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you yes. know. So there so many exercises in the book where it's like, okay, here's a whole menu of options. What sounds good to you? Um, and I think, yeah, the energy with that we want to have during sex is such a great question that most couples have never talked about before. Yeah. But it's, you know, it makes such a big difference. The energy that we tend to enjoy, you know, it's going to be so different from the energy that a different t- couple tends to enjoy. But if we never talk about it, I mean, just imagine, you know, you're in the mood for like your partner to be romantic and sensual and making eye contact and telling you how much they love you. And they're going for some like wild animalistic, like right. intense pounding. You're like, what? What is happening? Yeah. So we want to get on the same page about like, okay, these are like the top five kind of energetic experiences that we like to have with each other. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't realize that there are sort of options when it comes mm-hmm. to the energy that you show up to sex with, and when you don't talk about it, or if you never really thought about that. You know, sex just, it, you know, kind of turns into this narrow thing like, okay, well, this is just how it is for us. And it's kind of always the same type of energy. And, you know, maybe that works for one or both of you most of the time. But the the reality is probably one or both of you are going to be getting a little bit bored of that energy. But if you're feeling like you want to show up with a different energy, you don't know how to do that because you feel kind of locked into the way that you've been doing it. So I think you know, we really want to give people the language to be able to discuss like, yeah, what, like, what is the experience that I want to have? And I think it kind of opens the possibilities up for people of like, oh, we don't, it doesn't always have to be super serious. And like, just want the one or two positions that we usually do like, oh, it could be goofy and playful. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, it could be energetic and quick, or, you know, it could be all <laughs> kinds of things. And, and I think that just, you know, like so many of us think like, oh, well, we have to do really kinky stuff to explore. It's like you can explore all kinds of different energies and, you know, and like really expand your sex life, you know, without necessarily needing to do all these things that we think of, like to have a really active or exploratory sex life. Yeah. And there is this section um, that I really, I love this about, about fantasies, right? And talking to each other about what you'd really like to try. And you did a poll because you've got hundreds of thousands of community members. And the poll was like, people are like not really resonating with the word fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. And you, this was really great because you flipped it into what are you just curious about? What would you like to try that you've never... So talking to each other about your curiosity rather than this, Mm because fantasy just is this loaded word. Like I think about, yeah. I I was talking to my best friend about this yesterday. I'm like... I don't think I've got many fantasies. Right? I mean, I'm curious about this, yeah. curious about that. So that was <laughs> that just kind of opens it up. Yeah. Right? So this is conversation five, exploration. Yes. Like, what should we try next? And yeah, I think most of us 
we think of fantasy as something like, oh, that means I have to know that I'm super turned on by it and it's going to give me the best orgasm I've ever had. And it's like this wildly kinky, very involved thing. Like, like, and, and I can't stop thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. And it, yeah. it doesn't have to be that no. way. If you have a fantasy, that's amazing, but it doesn't have to be that way. So we love the word curiosity instead. Like what's something that you're curious about trying? But even like fantasies can also be things that you guys do already. It doesn't have to be something brand new. Um, So another way to think about exploration is to think back to the earlier stages of your relationship. And like, what did you used to do during sex that maybe you haven't done in a while? Mm. So if you feel very nervous about trying something new in the bedroom, exploring, like just go back to, oh yeah, we used to spend a whole lot more time using our hands on each other, or we used to do a lot of oral sex and we haven't done that in a while, or we used to try a lot of different positions. Like just go back to something that you've already done, but just haven't done in a long time. Yeah. So what if, this is a question that, um, We've, I've talked about with my friends before, because uh, I just think about like our boyfriends way back when, and you're just like, oh my God, like that, that guy was such a terrible kisser. And we like laugh about it, but like, what if you are with somebody and you're like, you're, and you're just not enjoying something that you're just doing on a regular basis with them? For instance, kissing. How, and because mm-hmm. I think that I just, I've learned so much from both of you on just even how to have these hard conversations. That's what a lot of your book is talking about. Like you have to have the conversations, but there's a way to do it as well in a loving way and in a productive way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yes. Feedback is such an important thing. Um, this is in conversation four. It's like how to give feedback in a helpful way. So like I was saying, like right at the beginning of this interview, you know, the mistake that a lot of us make is we wait until we're really frustrated or really disliking yeah. something our partner is doing. And then we kind of come at them with like, oh, I hate the way you kiss or like the way you initiate is so bad. Of course, if we say it like that, that's going to hurt your partner's feelings. It's going to put them on the defensive and they're not going to want to make any changes because they're just going to feel embarrassed and ashamed. So instead, we have what we call positively pleasurable feedback, which is learning how to give feedback in a way that is like focused on the positive, on what with what is working and what you like. So focus on asking your partner, you know, more for things that you like and you enjoy rather than talking about the things that you don't like. And there's always a way to turn it around, to flip it around and to focus on the positive. So one of the most classic examples that we hear is women say, you know, oh, he rushes to sex so quickly. It's just like we're kissing and then 30 seconds later he's trying to get inside of me. So again, if you say it like that, like, oh, why are you always in a rush? Slow down. Like your partner's, that's going to hurt his feelings. But if you say to him something like, you know what turns me on so much? When you go so slow, you're touching me, kissing me everywhere, and you get me to the point where I'm begging you to go further. Mm. Like, That just sounds sexy in and of itself. That's going to be a turn on to your partner. But it also makes your partner feel so much more motivated to actually follow through on that. It's like you're telling him like, here is the golden key to making me feel good and enjoy the experience and crave this experience. And, and like kind of pumping him up already about like, it makes me feel so good when you do that. So it makes him feel excited and motivated to actually keep doing those things. Right. Well, um, I just wanted to close on something that I thought was really important that you talk about a lot um, on your podcast and in your book about appreciation, gratitude, focusing on the positives, like you just said, Vanessa, like how important those things are to do. Yeah. 
um, and just your daily gratitude and your daily um, using using compliments and positive reinforcement in your relationship on a regular <laughs> regular basis and how how really how how integral that that how important that is. Yeah, research has actually found that gratitude was the number one predictor of marital success. Yes. So I know most of us have heard of gratitude and it's easy to be like, mm, yeah, okay, I am grateful for my partner. You know, <laughs> it just like feels kind of cheesy, but is the number one predictor of marital success. That's wild. And gratitude is free. It's easy. It takes just a few seconds. Like it is the most low hanging fruit you can possibly imagine, but it's just so powerful. Like it, we feel so good when our partner takes a moment to express their appreciation for us to say like, Hey, I saw what you did and I appreciated that. Or like, I see this in you as a human being. And I love that. Like it feels so good. So it's a great thing for couples to get in the habit of doing, like just express your gratitude for your partner every day. Your relationship will be so much happier and healthier, I promise. Yes. And you you give really good ways on like, giving compliments, but also learning how to accept compliments. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic, but I think it's just yeah, a, we have a whole podcast giving and receiving <laughs> and just how important it is um, to go back and forth. But I want to thank you both so much for this conversation. And I, I hope everybody that listens to this podcast reads your book, because I think it's like one of, like I said, a sex Bible that we can all learn so much from and keep turning <laughs> to. So thank you. And I want to, I'm going to close our conversation with um, all my podcasts. We close with a blessing and it's based on the lessons that I learned from you. So May we keep being brave, work daily to stay connected, and keep talking about sex because we are all <laughs> capable of having extraordinary sex lives. And I think that we should be dedicated oh, to that. I love that. <laughs> Life's short, you know, we got to have good sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much for having us. Thank you. Please visit realloveready.com to become a member of our community. Submit your relationship questions for our podcast experts at reallovereadypodcast at gmail.com. We read everything you send. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. Your feedback helps us get you the relationship advice and guidance you need. The Real Love Ready Podcast is recorded and edited by Maya Anstey. Transcriptions by otter.ai and edited by Maya Anstey. We at Real Love Ready acknowledge and express gratitude for the Coast Salish people, the stewards of the land on which we work and play, and encourage everyone listening to take a moment to acknowledge and express gratitude for those that have stewarded and continue to steward the land that you live on as well.